Hello, listeners of The Condensed Truth. I'm Arthur, one of the hosts of Full Metal Analysts. We're a recap podcast covering each and every episode of the Japanese anime Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. If you like the conspiracies of the X-Files but wish Mulder and Scully could do amazing feats of alchemy, then why not check out our show? You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy this week's episode of The Condensed Truth, and then listen to our show after. He claims to have obtained this information through psychic transmissions. Mulder, do I detect a hint of skepticism? Hello, and welcome to Condensed Truth, the Essential X-Files podcast. This week, we're discussing Season 1, Episode 13, Beyond the Sea. This episode aired January 7th, 1994, and was written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong, directed by David Nutter, uh, who directed 15 episodes of the X-Files. Nutter also had a pretty remarkable streak, where he directed 16 pilots, and all of them went to series. And today, our guest is our friend David. Hey, everybody. Uh, David, what's your relationship to the X-Files? Well, let's get this out of the way. Uh, Compared to these two and most people, I'm definitely a filthy casual. Um, (laughs) But uh, I really enjoy uh, the X-Files from an episodic perspective. And I really like this episode a lot. Uh, So I'm excited to get to be on here and talk about it with y'all. Uh, and maybe learn a little bit more about why I like it. Perfect. And of course, uh, we're we're your hosts, Shelby. And I'm Laura. Uh, and just to do a little recap of this week's episode, um, it's a it's a bit of a role reversal where Scully is the believer and Mulder's the skeptic. And it starts with Scully's father dying of a heart attack and it dri- that drives most of her motivation of the episode where they go to North Carolina because two teens have been abducted and uh, a prisoner on death row, Luther Lee Boggs, claims to have information that could lead to their rescue that he gets psychically and Mulder doesn't believe him and Scully does for re- personal reasons, basically. And Scully f- follows his clues against the wishes of Mulder and they end up where the killer is and the killer ends up shooting Mulder and Scully gets pissed and she ends up faking a deal with Lucer Boggs so he would give the information that he ends up getting executed and that's basically what happens in the episode. Um, Did y'all have any impressions generally the episode i I mean it's a good episode i picked it i like it yeah um i must say i don't you may have shown me this episode a while ago but like i didn't actually remember watching this episode before um so i'm gonna say this is like the first time i've I've seen this episode so i really like didn't know what was gonna happen in it i was just like all right let's go um yeah it's a very serious x-files episode Um, which I tend to prefer goofy X-Files, but I do like a serious one now and and then, and I do feel like it's definitely more police procedural than X-Files usually is. It was really interesting, and yeah, of course, the Mulder-Scully role reversal is always something that's fun to explore. 
Uh, also, speaking of police procedurals, I actually I wanted to ask y'all uh, if either of y'all watched a lot of proced- police procedurals before or in general. Yes, I I have actually. Yeah, <laughs> not so much my thing, but when it's done like well, I'll I'll check in. You know, X Files stuff like that. I loved me some Law and Order SVU. Oh, oh yeah, love, love love that. I mean, yeah, I I watched a lot as a kid. My yeah. family was like pretty big into CSI, um, but this one struck me. I was like, "Wow, this is like almost a straight up police procedural." <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I, it's really good. It and we talked, I think, in in the last episode about how the X Files, especially early on, took a lot of inspiration from like Science of the Lambs and like other sorts of police procedural like dramas like that. And you definitely get that feeling in this episode, especially a lot of. Clarice Starling and uh, Dana Scully parallels. It was very good. I must say the acting in this episode was really good all across the board. Gillian Anderson really pulled it out. And the actor who played Boggs, um, Brad Dorif, was great, which I have a fun fact about him. So first off, when I heard Boggs and they said it was North Carolina, I was like, well, that's absolutely not a North Carolina accent. Um, He's from (laughs) West Virginia, so that is definitely way more West Virginia than North Carolina. One of my little nitpicky things. Um, <laughs> but he uh, he was Grima Wormtongue in Lord of the Rings, which makes complete sense with his greasy hair and also his good acting. So hats off to him. Yeah, he was really intense. He was really good in this episode. Whenever I've seen him in anything, he's always been a net positive in whatever project he's in. Uh, I just uh, watched my sister play through Dishonored recently. And even just his voice acting showed through. He was one of the best characters mm-hmm. in the game. Yeah. Um, but uh, so at the beginning of the episode, you have Scully with her her mom and her dad. Uh, and she sells a Christmas tree up, which I agree with her dad. That's a no-no. <laughs> uh, I'm on Scully's side on this. Uh, last year, we kept our Christmas tree up until, like, we moved in May. <laughs> was it real needles, though? No, it's fake. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. But even the fake ones get all that plastic. Yeah, we can't have a real Christmas tree because my, my wife is allergic. Right, that's normal. But, you know, at least in Scully's case, it was real needles. That's not going to be super pretty yeah. in May. No. <laughs> but I think, I think it's fine. Leave up your Christmas tree however long you want. Until it morphs into the peanuts Christmas tree? Yeah. <laughs> no needles I left. Love it. Just the ornaments, just the baubles. Yeah. But... I also love, like, Scully's family. Her parents are so nice, which, spoiler alert, Mulder's family sucks a lot. I hate them. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, wow, she's so well-adjusted because she, like, had caring parents. Like, Mulder has, like, the waspiest family. (laughs) I mean, it makes sense. That boy's traumatized. Yes, yes, exactly. But, uh, yeah, and also, uh, the guy who plays Scully's dad is, uh, hold on, I wrote his name. Don Davis, mm-hmm. um, who was also in Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. which is a nice 90s note. Yeah. But also, I, I love that her dad and her have nicknames for each other and that they're a Moby Dick because he's a yeah. sailor. Mm-hmm. I also really did love that she's Starbuck in particular, which is cute because, you know, first mate, yada, yada, classic parent kid and a loving relationship kind of dynamic mm-hmm. but also because starbuck is sort of the voice of reason in moby dick it reflects scully as normally being the voice of reason throughout the x-files right yeah so i thought that, that yeah. was a nice double meaning there 
And then, yeah, the scene where she's she's lying on her couch, falling asleep to a paid programming TV on at like <laughs> two in the morning. Mm-hmm. Wait, whom's to mug us is not done yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then she gets she sees her father and she's confused because she was like, wait, I thought you left. And then she gets a call. That he had died. And it, that was such a good scene. Mm-hmm. Um, cause she, she like Jillian definitely like acted that really well, just like shock and confusion because she starts to doubt what she just saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her um her grief acting is really good. I have a note about it a little later on. Um, like when um when Mulder says like I didn't think you'd be in today, she kind of has this really annoyed reaction. That's really good. Like it's kind of like the stage of just like you want everything to just be treated normally at first. It's good. Yeah, a lot of her grief came out in forms of anger, but different forms of anger throughout the movie uh, right. throughout the episode. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then so we I think the next scene uh we see her in uh is in when she goes back to the office and Mulder's there. And we got a reference to uh I don't think they had one in the pilot, but we got a reference to Mulder being pretty into porn. <laughs> Which is a character note of his. <laughs> yeah. I think it was the last time you were that engrossed, it turned out you were reading the adult video news. Aces, yeah. Scully. Aces. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Got him. But, but he also, like, Muller calls her Dana so much that it's, like, distracting. Yeah. Like, just sort of it, I get together. that it's, like, a tender. It's, like, a tender gesture, but also he says it, like, Ten times. Kind of, kind of loops back to the, just like treat it normally, dude. Did your shipper hearts appreciate that he cupped her face gently to try and console her? Was that good oh, for y'all? Oh my god, I hate it whenever he is so tender. Sometimes, like, <laughs> not okay. <laughs> that's that's a very normal way to stop uh, making me like you. Yeah, to comfort your partner. <laughs> Yeah, totally platonic there. No, very, nothing happening here. Very bizcash. Yeah, just a very platonic face cradle. <laughs> yes, I, I did like it, of course. Yes. And then the I think the next scene of note for me was uh, the funeral scene, which was, uh, which is kind of funny because like <laughs> they had all the other people and like Scully has a family that they like explore later in the show. None of them were there. There were like generic <laughs> people there, <laughs> and uh, but of course her mom's there and she's there uh, yeah. in the rest of the series too. But like we didn't have Melissa, we didn't have Bill Junior, we didn't have her mystery brother Charlie. But yeah, and then the the very vulnerable moment where Scully says like, "I know like you and Dad wanted me to can pursue medicine and I didn't," or or was he was he like was he at all proud of me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then her mother responds back with, "He's your father." How did what was y'all's like emotional reaction to that dynamic? I'm curious. Um, this is I'm I'm gonna say right now this is a bit weird of an episode for me to watch right now. Um, because with like my personal relationship with my parents, I think that would be a fine response. Like, okay, yeah, like I know. My parents love me, but for people that don't have a good relationship with their parents, 
which like we know school you've kind of established that Scully does right like she saw them for the holidays so like she does have a really a good relationship with her parents so I think that like that that line works but it definitely I don't know almost if you don't have a good relationship with your parents it comes off really almost like a slap sometimes yeah, like it could feel like a cop like, out right like it works it works it works in this scene with these characters and stuff but like i don't think it's a scene that always works like imagine if Mulder was there and, and Mulder's dad had died and his mom was just like well he was your father it's just like yeah so he hated me <laughs> right <laughs> yes so yeah i don't know First of all, Tina Mulder would say, I don't remember. Because <laughs> that's the only thing she ever has to provide to the story. I'm a little bitter. I recently watched an episode that had entirely too much of her in it. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, so I yeah, think, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it works, but not all the time. Yeah, and also, like, <clears throat> even just the fact that, like, her father was, like, a, like in the Navy, and so... He has that kind of like strict military background. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's believe it's like more believable that he would be proud and would have a hard time saying it. Mm -hmm. And that like Scully would misconstrue that as disappointment rather than just him and what how he is. Repressed dad feelings, not communicating <laughs> <Right>. well. Hmm. <laughs> a very unique experience, I'm sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> um uh, and then I think the next scene I wanted to talk about was uh, Luther, like their first encounter with Luther Lee Boggs. I didn't know if you had anything in between there. Um, I just wanted to give a shout out to uh, Scully's eyebrow whenever she is in the office with Mulder because it's putting in like her, I think it was her right eyebrow is really putting in the work. Like it was amazing. It was um, Bones McCoy from Star Trek level of eyebrow engagement. <laughs> It was it was just shout out shout out to that. But that was the only thing before where we are now that I wanted to she, add. She also had that great line where it was um Mulder, do I detect a hint of skepticism? That one? <laughs> yes. Yes. Beautiful. So good. Yeah, also give Scully a desk already, Jesus. Yes. We'll <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> uh so then they uh they go to North Carolina and they're uh, interviewing Boggs and he's putting on a great show. Mm -hmm. uh, I did love his t his knuckle tattoos. It's like kiss kill. Um, yeah. I was going to say that those tattoos look like they're done in like ballpoint pen. Um, <laughs> they're like so thin. Like I feel like with knuckle tattoos, I don't know. Like, like I have, I have a tattoo that has a lot of fine lines, but like, I feel like, you know, if you're getting knuckle tattoos, maybe... Maybe go a little bit thicker on the lines. It's not gonna, not gonna age well. I also thought like their orientation was kind of weird because like if you're holding your hand out in front of you, you you could read it like it's right side up, but right. then if you're like clench your fingers, it's upside down. Right. I was like, it's a combat. Who are these for? You confuse people. They can't respond to your punches. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I was, I was, I was like, they're not the right orientation. Like, he got them for himself, which, okay, yeah. you know, self-care. <laughs> but uh, I know both of y'all have heard me whine about this endlessly, but when Mulder hands him the shirt, and he does his routine, and gives them the information, and then Mulder's like, That's, I, cut, I ripped this off my New York Knicks shirt. I must insist 
he would not be a Knicks fan. Because, <laughs> one, he's from Massachusetts. Uh, his dad lives on Martha's Vineyard. And two, like, I know that's a David Duchovny thing. I know he's a Knicks fan. But also, like, also the Knicks are not, like, the, the like, they're not one of those New York teams where you can be a fan of them outside. Like, if he was a Yankees fan, okay, I could sort of see, like, the contrarian of Mulder insisting on being a Yankees fan in Red Sox country. But, like, the Knicks are bad. <laughs> well, in all fairness, the 90s Knicks were pretty good, pretty competitive playoff team. And, you know, the last 20 years, the opposite of that. Um, but I, I think you're right. No, no self-respecting Bostonite would allow themselves to not be a Celtics fan. Are you kidding me? Yeah, Especially I think they the would Knicks. die. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. he's definitely, think... like, playing up the black sheep with that, maybe? Sorry, if you are an, uh, a Boston listener that doesn't support the Celtics and does support the Knicks, uh, please send your angry letters to Shelby and Laura, not me. Thank you. <laughs> sure, I'll, I'll, I'll take your angry yeah, letters. I, yeah, because I, I, I'll take them because I just want to know why. Like, I don't really care a whole lot about it. I just want to know why. Just, like, tell me your reasoning. Who are you? Also, like, Mulder had plenty of other things to be bullied as as a kid. He didn't right. also need to be, like, an extra. <laughs> His name is Fox. Yes! Like, that <laughs> which, like, got bullied. Which, like, can be a good name. Like, I actually, I know someone else, like, in real life who has the name Fox. It can be a really cool, good name. But, like, I don't know. Does it really fit him? And he, like, absolutely resents his name. He hates his name. Right. So if you don't like it, that's, I think, the biggest deal. I don't know. Like, just change your name. But also in this scene is when uh, uh, Bog starts singing Beyond the Sea, which surprises Scully, and she turns back and she sees her father's face. And that's basically the start of, like, Scully starts to believe him because she sees, like, wow, like, <laughs> she sees the tangible uh, evidence in her mind of mm -hmm. him being for real. And uh, so then when she goes to leave... Uh, she follows the notes Boggs gave about a waterfall and an angel and leads her to a warehouse where she finds the bracelet. And uh, then I, uh, I loved, I did really like the scene. I think this is like the most annoying Mulder was in this episode in the scene where he comes back and she immediately just says, I lied about how I found the warehouse. I listened to Boggs. And he starts yelling at her. So he has the audacity to yell at her? Oh my god. <laughs> I, I think it's like a response from him totally makes sense. Um, because he doesn't believe Box so, like, fervently. I'm just, I'm just so annoyed at him for yelling at her whenever she's obviously grieving. Like, don't raise your voice at her. And I don't know, part of me thinks it's like his ego too, like, he he doesn't believe Boggs, and so he's frustrated because he doesn't know why Scully does believe him. And so, like, he yells at her whenever she's also, like, like really vulnerable. Like, I don't know. Back off, dude. Uh, yeah, he's not going to get a good uh, score from me later on because of that yelling scene, specifically. And more yelling to come, or more questioning yeah. to come. Very hypo uh, hypocritical, I think, in this episode. If I'm allowed to defend him for a quick second. No, you're and not. You're always allowed. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> he did yell at her, and I will give you that. It's mean. It did affect my score I'm going to give him later. But he did immediately say, oh, like, if this is affecting your, if your father's death is affecting your judgment, I think 
you should step away for your own, like, you know, for your own health and everything. I understand that. That almost came off, like, more condescending to me. Like, <laughs> she, like, like, she's not taking that into consideration whenever, like, she is. Like, it's a bit mansplainy. Um, in my, in my opinion, like, I can, I can see it being taken as genuine. And, like, if it was genuine, then, like, yeah, that's good. But... To me, it came off almost more condescendingly, like, oh, if this is all just some irrational expression of your grief, then, like, maybe you shouldn't be here, instead of, like, actually taking her seriously in, like, her believing bogs and, you know, like, saving these kids. And a slight middle, pretty close to Laura, but a slightly more middling take. I believe it was genuine just from watching it, but I think there's a lack of self-awareness in that conversation for Mulder, right? And that can still be hurtful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fair. They get the information from Boggs, and they go to find him, and then Mulder gets shot uh, based on, like, what Boggs warned about, like, don't go near the White Cross, and then Mulder does and gets shot and everything. Uh, so then we have that great scene um, where Scully goes to yell at Boggs. Um, oh, yes. Her power. Oh, I, I, me, me, and this is totally hypocritical. I don't care. Me when men yell, I cannot stand it. Me when women yell, like yes, absolutely, queen. <laughs> Get it. Be angry. Can you just imagine, like, you know, five foot two, or I don't know how tall she is. She just storms up to you with like a suit and just starts yelling at you. Yes, I can imagine because it is my life. I have chewed out so many people, and I'm I'm five. Yeah, get people listening to the pod a reference. I am a hundred pounds and five foot one. I am a small person, but oh hell hath no fury. It's great. Large anger can come in small packages. Oh yes, it's it's more um condensed. <laughs> Hey, that's the name of the show. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> uh, also, those FBI jackets look so comfy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I would like be allowed to buy or wear one, but it looks very comfy. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but yeah, like the back back and forth between her and Boggs, um, where she goes she goes full cop mode because mm -hmm. uh, Scully does have cop brain. <laughs> she just yells Unfortunately. like... Well, I came here to tell you that if he dies because of what you've done, four days from now, nobody will stop me from being the one that'll throw the switch and gas you out of this life for good, you son of a bitch! Ooh, love it. He was powerful. It's good. Um, it's good. It's a lot of the pent-up feelings that she's had the whole episode coming out. And I think we'd also gotten a lot of exposure to Boggs's insanity um psychopathy mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it and so her delivering that to him was i think exceptionally strong we really felt it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but then like immediately after that anger just like the the you know the smallness and like the vulnerability that she immediately follows that mm -hmm. up with was just it was so good because it was just like she like yeah like this is her grief this is how it's manifesting she's she's jumping between these two you know, very powerful and maybe not quite like polar opposite, but different emotions. Yeah. Yeah. This is like, yeah, this is Scully at some of her most vulnerable and Julie Anderson at some of her best acting because she's so good at being 
this young, vulnerable woman who's dealing with this great grief and great stress at the same time. It's very good. And uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about was, of course, when Scully gets the information she does for Bogus, deal with Boggs, and gets the information from him. <laughs> they, she has that great, like, well, if you knew, and then he cuts her off and is like, if I knew that if you were lying, why did I tell you, you know? Mm-hmm. And the great, like, don't follow him to the devil. Leave that to me. Which I think was, I think that was interesting. I would like to talk to y'all about. Um, so Mulder's, what he talks about Boggs, of, at the beginning of the episode, he just says like, Boggs kills because he likes it. Like, that's just the kind of person he is. He, you know, killed all the animals in his housing project. He he killed his family at the, after Thanksgiving and then just went and watched the football game. And so he has like this very cold and calculated Boggs that he presents at the beginning of the episode, but that really isn't the, I wouldn't say that's the Boggs we see, Mm-mm. right? Mm-mm. I think the episode has us lean towards the idea that Boggs uh, planted this to get back at Mulder because the killer is someone Boggs worked with on some of his killings and because Mulder was someone who put him away. But But as the episode went on, I think it kind of negated that like mm-hmm. this cooled calculated killer like one w- warned Mulder and two like warned Scully like don't follow when you go to get Henry don't follow him to the devil um mm-hmm. as like an explicit warning for her not to follow him to the devil mural where he falls through and dies saving her life and I'm kind of curious because I think I think the episode like what they put forth is that like part of Boggs is um, he believes he has a psychic vision capability because when he went to a death row before he got he had his execution state, when he went, he saw all the people he killed and they invaded his body. They gave him the ability to channel other people and other spirits. And I think the episode is kind of trying to say like this fundamentally changed him. Mm-hmm. And this is why like he's not the same psycho path if that's the term you'd like to use to describe him or cold-hearted killer as Mulder seems to or Mulder experienced right right Right. I think uh, I think this episode really humanizes him um and you know he committed awful awful crimes but and is on death row but I think I mean me personally I don't believe capital punishment should be a thing um and I think that this is interestingly an argument against capital punishment for like the early 90s um not necessarily like super explicitly kind of but like or maybe not necessarily like that's that's not like the main focus of this episode right but like you know he is fundamentally changed as a person and people are allowed to fundamentally change um and just because he you know, did these awful things doesn't necessarily rid him of his own humanity. Um, it's 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 complicated, but I think that this is a really interesting description of that because, like you said, Shelby, he's not just this sort of mindless, cold-hearted killer that that Mulder paints us to believe, and that like that the media paints us to believe too of like people who commit crimes and like murderers and stuff. Um, at the end of the day, they are all still human, even if they do these 
really awful, almost inhuman acts. Um, so yeah, I think that that's really interesting. And then I think that also getting an actor as good as Brad Dorif to play this character. Mm. I mean, he's kind of typecast as this character, but to play this type of character really speaks to respecting that role and that character from like the production standpoint. So I think that that's a really interesting aspect of this episode that is maybe a bit more under the surface or wasn't quite necessarily the main focus of it, but yeah. But you're right. They knew that they wanted this character to be substantial in Scully's development and they hired a top-notch character actor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't disagree with anything you said particularly, Laura, but I, I wonder if the show really did it. I mean, like, not to take away from the show, I still think it's a great episode and everything, but it's like the way Mulder describes him and like the mm-hmm. uh the box we see just feels so different that like mm-hmm. I don't know, like it's either like Mulder was wrong from his first interpretation or like this is feels like such a big leap. I don't know. Like I still like the episode, I still think he's a great character, but I felt like there was some it wasn't quite fleshed out in that regard for me. And I can I can see that. I think he gets I think we get really I think at the beginning, it's actually a bit better sort of walking that line. We're a bit more on our mm-hmm. guard and cautious. Um, but like, especially because like Scully is our conduit for most of this episode. As she kind of softens up to him, I think we also kind of soften up to him. He becomes a lot softer of a presence towards the end of the episode. And I think maybe maybe that's why. Maybe that's a bit unrealistic How how much how like how much that softness increases but like yeah i i I mean i can see that yeah jumping off of that you know we're also seeing him go through his own acceptance of his mortality and he states that as such don't underestimate how much Mm -hmm. i don't want to return to the chair right so yeah how much he fears it one of the great things about this episode uh for me is that it's not dealing with the alien mythology, but more dealing with the supernatural and how it connects to mortality and our own mortality, mm-hmm. which is like a pretty universal thing that we've all thought about. And uh, it just, I think it's a little bit more impactful than just alien abduction on an emotional level um, mm-hmm. for me personally. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I get it. I, I agree. It's a very vulnerable episode from even an audience standpoint. Yeah. And then we get to the final scene where um, Scully, because, uh, Bo- well, I guess I should say that Box said, I'll give you the message your father wants to give you, but you have to come to my execution. And then I'll give them there, give you the, the words there. And Scully ends up not going. And I really love the look of shock on Box's face. Mm-hmm. Like he, he just couldn't fathom that she wouldn't want to hear, like that the words weren't that important to her that she would come to his execution. Which is, I think was like a great character arc for her in this episode too, because she was so desperate to know if her father, uh, you know, was proud of her and to know what her father was trying to tell her when she saw him as an apparition. Yeah, I think that that's a really powerful choice for Scully to not go. Also because like, Mulder the whole the whole time has been like you have to be careful with Boggs and I do think that that is still true even though like I said earlier we soften up to him so much but like 
Scully is still very vulnerable and what people people manipulative people like to do is they see your vulnerabilities and they, you know, take advantage of them. And I think that this is kind of like almost not giving in to that. It's also like having lost a parent. I I don't think I and if that was presented to me having lost a parent that I was close to and had a good relationship with. I don't think I would go either. Because it's almost mm-hmm. like the thing about death is that it's final. Duh. And um, in that, our relationships with the deceased don't really change a whole lot. I mean, they do change, like, sometimes the way we feel about them and, like, we can change and thus the way we feel about them and stuff can change. But, like, that other agent there that other person isn't there to change and so sometimes it it would be like to me it's just like hearing hearing that wouldn't change anything Mm -hmm. and it wouldn't necessarily help anything either it would just kind of like maybe even be something that like I hold on to more and like I can see it as something like kind of obsessing over like slowly holding on to more and not moving on from eventually like or as yeah just I could see it as something that just like keeps you kind of like thinking about that instead of like moving on with your grief because yeah yeah I think it was a good choice to not go and not listen because I think it could cause like more harm to her in the long run because like what what can you do with that then you know that that's different than what you have now in your grief Mm -hmm. it's a good perspective Thank you. Yeah, I, I like that she didn't go, even though she did believe Box, and she would believe mm-hmm. that like what he said was true. But um, she doesn't go, and instead she goes to Mulder in the hospital room, getting mm-hmm. covering over his sh- being shot. And I really love this scene. I think it's so good because, um, you know, she's she's there and she's trying to rationalize everything. Like Box could have looked mm-hmm. me up if he knew if I mm-hmm. if he knew you were my partner, he could have looked. So cute, um, me up and known and known that like my dad and I had a nickname for each other. <laughs> Could he? he? He calls her Starbuck and it's just like, how would he look this up, Scully? <laughs> I know. It's it's really cute. This is a really cute Scully moment whenever she tries to almost rationalize. She gets almost a little embarrassed and then tries to like <laughs> rationalize herself out of it. It's it's really adorable. Oh, I also just think that, yeah, her choosing to be with Mulder instead of to, like, listen to her dad's final words is, like, her starting to process the grief and starting to move on. And, like, yeah, good. Anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, I loved Mulder's, which is, it was it was also an interesting thing. It's, like, Mulder didn't believe Box. And then she's, like, you have all this evidence. He was, like, you have all this evidence and you still don't believe? Like, why can't you believe? And she had that great line. She's, like, I'm afraid to believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is so good because it, it was, like, I think watching the show, um, like we're buying into the X Files world, we're, like whether or not you believe ghosts or aliens or any of that stuff exists. You're, when you're watching the show, you're buying in, and I think sometimes you forget like how terrifying. Like if you believe in ghosts and aliens and stuff, like that's a terrifying world that that mm-hmm. negates a lot of like scientific principles and uh, the foundation of how we process reality. Like. It's a scary leap to believe in that stuff. And I think that's like what Mulder doesn't get sometimes. And Scully's like, I'm afraid to believe. Like, this is scary. 
Mulder's almost so used to it that he doesn't quite realize or remember what it's like to be new to the world. I think it also negates your own sense of personal security, right? If there are ghosts around or all sorts of weird stuff, that's a completely different environment and you have a lot less control. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of control. Mm-hmm. So, and I think Mulder, who's sort of caution to the wind, here we go, doesn't really care about that so much, but a little bit more like, not orderly per se, but uh, someone who has maybe a, who likes the world to be more ordered might be a better way to say it in Scully. Yeah. That's, that's a difficult pill to swallow. Yeah, I think that that's an interesting point to bring up. Um, we, as humans, like control. We like to be in control of our environments. And I think scientists are a bit more prone to liking that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we like, we like our, our variables to be known and to have control over them. Um, and I think that that's a good mirror to grief, too, is like, we we lose control when we have grief. We have no control over whenever our loved ones die. We have no control over when we die. And I think it's interesting that's like the control aspect of like going through grief, but then also being mirrored through Scully kind of like believing in these psychic abilities and like letting go of control in that way because she doesn't really have a whole lot of control that she feels right now. Definitely. Mm-hmm. For sure. And then she has a great line uh, to mirror what her mother said when, and she, he, she, he says like, you know, she says, of course I know he was proud of me. You know, he was my father. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was a great, that was a great way to end the episode too. Yeah. I think that that's really good. It really speaks to kind of the bond she has with her father and like like that is still there like the bond that feeling is still there and so that's why i think it's also good she didn't listen to what boggs you know the message like that boggs like had for her because like she doesn't need to in the long run like she knows her father was proud of her and that was really nice mm-hmm. part of the reason i asked you about that line the first time is because in the moment i didn't like it but then when you get to the end of the episode and you realize what they were trying to do with scully's arc it's like oh i get it mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. what you did, writers. This is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it again. Like it doesn't always work, but it does work in this episode for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, did y'all have any final thoughts? Uh, read the episode before we get to our segments. Uh, I just have to complain about one thing. Whenever they like get the file on who the actual like kidnapper dude is, and like the other agents just like. Yeah, I mean, he has some prior arrests for, like, sexual assault. Like, nothing big. And I'm like, excuse me? That's nothing big? That's, like, a big yeah. red flag. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. I'll also add that sort of, like, a overarching thought for me, a part of the reason I'm so excited to be on with this episode for y'all is because for me watching this, I was honestly surprised that Shelby was a big fan of the X-Files watching through the first season until I got to this episode. Because I think for me... This is the episode, from my own perspective, where the writers consciously chose to not let Scully be an audience surrogate anymore. And that elevates the show so much for me personally. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciated that here. I was reading, um, I've been been rewatching The X-Files and I've been reading this book, uh, Monsters of the Week, by Emily Vanderwerp and Zach Handlin. And they just write have like little write-ups for every episode. And the 
the note they have in like for Beyond the Sea, they have a section where they interviewed the some of the writers and they talked about how uh, they were going to have like an episode where Scully um, has to reckon with like her on non-believing at the end of season one. But as um, they're making the show and they're reading the feedback from the fans, because the this is like early internet, so they're like early fan forums. <laughs> I love <laughs> Just, it. Uh, you know, going on there and reading what people have to say, and they and there were like a decent number of like negative opinions about Scully. It's like, oh, she never believes, you know. And so they actually ended up like pushing up this idea of like Scully's faith in science and you know not believing to be shaken. And I, I think it really does serve the show that it is like episode 13, right? Mm -hmm. It was, I, I agree with those early internet forums uh, to an extent, at least having not read them, that it was frustrating to see, uh, to see Scully like, hi, here's a werewolf. Eh, probably just refracted light, right? You know, there's a scientific <laughs> explanation here. It's like, what? God. <laughs> I think it might be an orangutan. <laughs> There are only so many times you can um, you can uh, just happen to be outside the warehouse when like the big alien abduction happens. Right. <laughs> and I feel like it give, gives her agency to at least question the lack of belief. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what mm -hmm. this episode gave us. Now it is time for our segments. Woo! So our first segment is how annoying was Mulder this episode? Shut up, Mulder. I guess I'll go first as the Mulder apologist of the podcast. <laughs> please do, please do. Um, I'm gonna put him at a four, which I know is kind of low, but I thought he was pretty nice. Uh, even though he did yell at Scully, that's why he's not three. Do you want yeah, to justify guess, the four a little more? <laughs> I mean, I okay. Let's get this out of the way. I've seen the entire show. I know his peaks and valleys. <laughs> Shelby's like, this is fucking minor, guys. So I know how bad he can get. And trust me, <laughs> this is minor. I'll knock him down half a point. You have to pace yourself with Mulder. <laughs> I'll go next. We'll leave David for the end because he's a surprise. I'll go next because as the resident Mulder not liker, I guess. It's not that I don't like him, but I do find him more annoying than Shelby, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna give him a 7 for this episode because he yelled at Scully. Really rubbed me the wrong way. Um, yeah. <laughs> Dude, chill out. Like, I don't know, maybe, like, put your ego aside for just a second, realize that your partner is in crisis in a non-consent, condescending way, and, like, try to comfort her. Dude. I mean, I think you summed up my feelings, Laura. But I came into this thinking, oh, it's like an eight, right? Uh, very obvious. We'll all be, we'll all agree with this. It'll be around eight. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, last scene that is generally very good with them in the hospital, Mulder comes out with the, "Why won't you believe?" Maybe, and it's just so frustrating the whole time where he's like, "Don't believe, Scully. Don't believe. I know. Why would you believe? Who cares about your grief? Don't believe." And then. Why won't you like stop, Mulder? Just stop. Go right. Thank you, David. Take some take some sleep medicine. Sleep this pain off. We'll get back to you. Right. Ugh. It was just. It was just. You know. This I've seen a, a decent amount of the show. This wasn't my favorite Mulder moment, but you know, still my favorite episode or close to it. Right. Right. 
yeah, it's a good episode. But yeah, I agree. He's he's very condescending to her in this episode. It's not okay. And I think they get a lot more empathetic with each other by like season three, if I remember correctly. Uh, they're able to, in uh, higher stress circumstances, be a little bit more supportive than he was mm-hmm. in this episode. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he can be better. Yeah. It's going to be so funny when we get to one where, like, Scully says, Mulder, please don't do this thing. And he, like, does the thing. God. And you will already blown your eight. So I'm like, him being mildly mean. That might piss me off less. We don't know. <laughs> the scale can be adjusted. <laughs> We're going to have to break out a one out of 20. It can be the revised Fujita scale, like, for tornadoes. We can revise it. <laughs> Tornado Molder. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. We have we have the we have the Molder scale and then we have the revised Molder scale. And you know, previous previous eights on the Molder scale are really like sixes or fives on the revised Molder scale. Okay, so our next segment is Scully's sassiest moment. So uh this must be the enigmatic agent Scully. Uh Laura, do you wanna go first this time? Uh yeah, I mean I I gave a shout out to her eyebrow earlier and I'm going to give I'm going to give her sassy moments to Jillian Anderson's eyebrows um especially whenever they're in the office. It's just like again like I said like Star Trek Bones McCoy level of good eyebrow which for those of you who have not seen Star Trek the original series, uh Bones McCoy's eyebrow is like almost completely arched because of like the just batshit crazy stuff Kirk is doing constantly. He's like, I love you, you're my bestie, but, like, what the fuck, dude? Um, yeah, that's, which is basically, yeah, I would give it to her eyebrows. Um, I don't think, honestly, she was that sassy in this episode, because she was, you know, grieving, mostly, but I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed that bit where she was kind of annoyed at him for treating her differently at the beginning when they met in the office. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to that. David? Uh, solid choice. I'm gonna go early in the episode. Personally, uh, I've loved, and we talked about it briefly, but I loved the. Uh, since you made us take the Christmas tree down the day after Christmas, I'm making up for lost time. Aces, mm-hmm. another gold star for that line. I loved it. Thank you, Scully. That was a good line. That was a very good one. Mine is mine is also a, one of my favorite lines from her. This episode was <laughs> Mulder. Do I detect a hint of skepticism? Beautiful. <laughs> See the eyebrow. The eyebrow plays a prominent role in that scene. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'd also. Well, I'd, I've, I don't know if y'all saw this, um, and since this wasn't one of yours, I wanted to ask: when she was turning away from Boggs at the last second after he said to come to his execution to talk to her father. Did you see like side eye there or not? I couldn't tell if that was intentional side eye that she was giving at that request as she turns around to the camera, but I just, I'm not sure. But if it was great acting choice, especially given the way that it played out. I don't think I took a note of it, so I didn't didn't see it, but I didn't either. But like, I mean, yeah, just count it. Yeah. Our next segment. What was the 90th moment of the episode? Welcome. You've got mail. Uh, I guess I'll go first, mostly because I had a hard time picking one this episode. And so the FBI jackets they're wearing, they kind of looked like a little like silky. Like they look like, mm-hmm. they were, like maybe satin or something. 
And they kind of remind me of those like 90s starter jackets. Hell yeah. So I don't really know if that was like the aim of the ep- like the jacket was to be like a 90s starter jacket. But I am giving it to that uh, because, again, as I said earlier, they looked very comfy. It also they just look like they look like they weren't supposed to say FBI. They just look like they're supposed to say like Raiders or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I was expecting like uh, Al Davis to walk out. <laughs> my uh, my sister had a like sort of like purple like silk satin starter jacket like in the late 90s early 2000s that like had her name embroidered on it and like that's what it made me think of too very classic <laughs> <laughs> uh david what was yours 90s hater david um well i uh, you know, read through all of your market research notes that y'all dropped, you know, thousands of dollars into to identify what your target audience wants to listen to. <laughs> and I think we have to talk in detail about the spray on hair infomercial. Oh, my um, God. Thank it you. It was uh, fairly accurate, actually, to the time. I didn't realize that spray on hair was super big in the 90s mm-hmm. um, or at, at its peak, let's say. Uh, and then sort of, uh, coincidentally, its popularity curve followed about that of Rudy Giuliani's. Um, <laughs> but uh, some some information about both the product and the man in the commercial. Uh, so this was Ronco's GLH-9, which stands for Great Looking Hair Formula Number 9. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> uh, if y'all are familiar with, oh, no, I'm blanking on the name. I didn't write it down. Uh, but Ron uh, Popeil, P-O-P-E-I-L. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's him, which I did not know. Uh, yeah. And apparently he had been doing tons of infomercials for random, terrific, obviously, products that he had developed <laughs> uh, over the course of like 50 years. Uh, and Ronco is sort of his company where he sells all of these really great things. Uh, and this is one of them. Uh, and it's so great, actually, that I think it made Time's 50 Worst Inventions list in 2010, which you might be thinking, <laughs> you know, Time, how valid is that? Well, there's some there's some uh, whoppers on that list. Uh, it also included New Coke, Subprime Mortgages, and Agent Orange. So not great to be wow. on uh, a list with that company. Did it beat out Agent Orange? Please tell me it didn't beat out they Agent not, Orange. They did not rank it. Um, okay. I don't think. Because, um... Ranking like hair in a can versus like a chemical weapon. <laughs> mm. If it was, good thing, if it was good thing ranked, time didn't do that because that would be really. I, I'm pretty sure it wasn't ranked, and if it was, and it was just in order, that would mean that Segways was number one on the list, and that's why I'm choosing oh to believe it wasn't ranked. Uh, I, I will say, wasn't. however, in fairness to Spray on Hair, uh, they also had Tamagotchis on that list, which I will ardently defend. So. You know, they're good. Who's to say oh my gosh, these are fun. how valid Time's opinion is there? Uh, but right. that was a lot of fun. You can go watch these infomercials on YouTube. They're there. Uh, they're really mm-hmm. funny. Uh, I recommend it if you need that 90s nostalgia. <laughs> oh, I was going to say also, Ron Papale, apparently somehow at the age of 85, cousins with Ashley Tisdale. How does that family tree work? I don't know. <laughs> I looked, I tried to look into it, I tried to find out. But his family tree is not like diagnosed very uh, in a very available way on Google. Um, so minor complaint to the internet on that one. 
<laughs> You'd have to go to like ancestry.com. Pay the pay the Mormon church money to figure out how that tree is linked. <laughs> Maybe I will. <laughs> After the podcast. <laughs> gonna, you know, if you do text me, I'd like to know. Um, yeah, I'm glad you brought up the infomercial because I almost picked the infomercial. Good, but good. I, I felt like it was I felt like it was like an obvious choice, but not in a bad way, right? Because like I agree with Shelby that there weren't a lot of necessarily like super nineties things in that. Um right. but my nineties moment is uh how the teenagers were making out in the car before they got kidnapped. <laughs> um, first of all, that car, very like classic, but also like 90s like like it's it's classic but it's also like not like out of place like for the 90s and then also just like they're making out right so like it's just very classic like high school making out and <laughs> whenever the kidnapper dude whose name i do not remember like knocks on the window pretending to be a cop right the way that jim the the teenage boy was just like messing with his hair and was like oh <laughs> sorry officer you caught us we'll go home we'll stop making out being just like horny teens very 90s very classic uh yeah the jacket that um the girl was wearing was amazing very 90s fashion wise but um yeah i would have to go with yeah the teens making out very classically 90s just make out glyph <laughs> it felt like something out of a west craven movie i wanted to talk a little bit about uh why i chose this episode uh for the list and uh i think mostly like it's the first episode where like scully and Mulder have a role reversal mm-hmm. and of course like we talked about this in the episode but i think it's it's you know a very standard you know you have the, this dichotomy that you've set up and once you have it set up you're able to play with the fringes of like in what situation would Mulder not believe and what social situation would scully believe and finding the space in between that is was like it's so fertile for characterization and so that be that being the first episode um to do that, I thought I thought was like, of course we got to talk about Beyond the Sea, mm-hmm. and um, also I guess a note: <laughs> if y'all are not remotely familiar with the X Files, this is like a Monster of the Week episode, um, so it doesn't have any aliens or anything, which also was crucial for the show developing because being able to bounce between mythology where they're more alien about the overarching plot, and then being able to bounce to something like this. Maybe not naturally in the sense of like sometimes you'll be watching a mythology one and they have like a lot of big news and then next week they're like, oh, there's this dog that can talk or something. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, wow, Yoko is like really heavy topics and now you're talking about like a dog or something. But the fact that the show gets to have these two avenues of exploring the X-Files is so crucial to why it's so popular. Because so, so many of the Monster of the Week episodes really hold up. Mm-hmm. maybe more than the mythology eventually does but yeah like this <laughs> this being like a really solid monster of the week episode that really gets to explore scully's personality and to really kind of mess with that dichotomy i thought was essential for anybody who was wanted to watch the x-files to understand and it's a great episode for yeah. sure i agree future shelby popping in you heard their promo at the beginning of this episode but i just wanted to give a huge shout out to the Full Metal Analyst crew for helping me immensely in setting up this podcast. 
you should definitely go check out their podcast. It's great, and it's a personal theory of mine that Full Malcolm's Brotherhood is Anime X-Files. I will not explain further, but definitely go check out their show. Watch Full Malcolm's Brotherhood. Thanks again. Well, uh, thanks for having me on this episode. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and I look forward to listening to all the podcasts and watching all the corresponding episodes. This will be fun for me. So Yeah, thanks for coming thank on. Y'all. Yeah, thank Anytime. you for coming on. You'll have to come back on. Um. And yes, this is this was my secret plan to get David to finish the X Files in some <laughs> fashion. David, have you seen it's Bad working. Blood though? Like you would enjoy Bad Blood. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember what I I've think, seen. I think you didn't want to watch. You didn't want to watch anything. You had like you were trying to go in an order. I was. So I know you've when, seen Jose Chung's. Yeah, when I was more naive and thought I could make it through all the television in the world. Right. <laughs> yeah. No. There's definitely there's definitely some future uh, X Files episodes you haven't seen that I think you would enjoy. Cool. Yes. I'm looking forward Bad to it. Bad Blood is a banger. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited to talk about that one, but I know. we have quite a few episodes to get through. I know. I mention <laughs> it all the time just because like, it is like so funny. It's so good. Oh, it's amazing. Thanks for tuning in with us this week. We, uh, we hope you tune in next week where we're watching Season 1, Episode 17, E-B-E. Please follow us on Twitter if you are on Twitter at Condensed Truth. Uh, we have an email if you would like to email us. I hope you don't because I hate email, but if you feel so <laughs> Why would inclined you email to us? email us, if you would like to email us, you can email us at condensedtruthpod at gmail.com. That's for you, Massachusetts Knicks fans. Yes, please yeah. please email me that any of your feedback and I will direct it to David's email. Wait, what? <laughs> we'll just forward it along. <laughs> but again, thanks for tuning in. Thank you.